0: This is a throwdown, a showdown, hell no Rob Fay Nation can't slow down, it's gonna go. First offense. All the mix. Go on and break. Okay, party people in the house, you're about to witness something you've never witnessed before. Right? Yeah, it's awesome in the house. Yeah, toss them awesome the house. All right, it is Monday, which means it's time to stop by with our uh, quasi insider, Robert Simpson, who is kind enough to join us from VancouverHockeyNow.com. You have been a very busy bee, Robert, when it comes not only to the Canucks, but all those secondary pieces. And that's one of the things that I loved about your website when I first logged on. And now that I see it on a daily basis, you aren't afraid to go into the corners, which I can't say for every Canuck player. But how have you enjoyed covering (laughs) this team over the first 25 games?
1: Oh, man. Hey, first of all, I love the term insider. Um, are all? <laughs> oh, I tell
0: you, it's special.
1: This is funny. I've actually joked about this with some of the national, quote-unquote, insiders who are buddies of mine that are based in Toronto. So I, I actually did this for you today. I actually transcribed an answer from a national insider. as a pal. He was on a show here. I don't really catch much else going on, you know, in terms of watching and listening, but I, I caught this one and I thought it was rather humorous because if you don't have a story and you don't have insight and you don't have any scoops, you still have to fill the time when you're, on the, you're a guest, right? And you're a guest all over the country on multiple outlets and you, you have to provide information. So here's an answer to what is going on. Tell us, Insider, what's going on in the Canucks organization? And here's the answer. You ready? Yes. The thing that is very clear to me, and I think to everybody inside the organization, is that they were absolutely not expecting the season to go like this. But what they have now realized is that if this doesn't change, then what are you going to do about it? I think those conversations are going on. There's no question in my mind that there's a feeling that something's going to happen. I don't think that people know exactly what that's going to be, whether it's going to be firing of some kind or a trade, but I think everybody realizes that all possibilities are on the table. And I definitely get a sense that there's people inside the organization, and I think it goes right from top to bottom. They're sitting there and they're thinking something is going to happen. (laughs) So, thank you so much. I don't know. What that does is it fills, you know, gives you the 30 seconds and then you go on to the next one. And, and we've joked about it because part of its reputation, I mean, and this is a person that does an unbelievable amount of great work and does actually scoop, but the rest of the time, you, you know, you kind of have to fill and there's a certain level of self-promotion. So the insider thing always cr- cracks me up because oftentimes it's self-promotion and it's, and it's someone that doesn't necessarily have the sources,
0: but, you know, can maybe pretend they do. So I was having a conversation on the weekend and I said, you know, the problem with the Canucks situation right now is there's some easy targets. Like I've always long said, dating back to my radio days on TSN, that Jim Benning is a really easy target because he's kind of this big lumbering guy, speaks at three quarters speed. And is just an easy target for those young kind of pack of wolves that think they can make their name off a guy that doesn't put up a fight. And I said, wouldn't it be interesting if the next general manager of this team was a guy like Ray Ferraro? Who all of a sudden would snap back and would say, no, 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 no. You don't get to say that with no repercussions. I'd be really quick to know whose skin is thick enough. Should there ever be a secondary general manager in this market, kind of like a Brian Burke, that would say, no, 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 you have to face this music now. I think you'd see a lot of guys that would all of a sudden be a little bit kinder.
1: The bottom line, Rob, is it's just how you go about your business and and you avoid it in the first place. So, in other words, like if you're in a relationship with a woman and and you lie, okay, if you lie, then you have to remember the lie. That's why it's just a lot easier to always tell the truth because then you don't have to remember anything. It's the truth, right? You remember it because it's the truth. You don't have to come up with stories. So, that similar approach, the analogy is to reporting is if you're reporting something, verify it and report it as fact. Okay. For example, I reported trade talk. I spoke to three national hockey league general managers who brought up a player's name and I said, Oh, okay. Well, they're talking about this player. It's a fact. Now, if I hadn't talked to those general managers and I was speculating, I would have said, I think, or I have heard that. Okay. So those that's the big difference. What I've noticed lately, and it's been unavoidable to notice, you you can't help but notice even if you're not trying, is there's just been a lot of that going on where it's like just stories that are not fact. You know, I guess that's part of the business. That's again, here we we circle back to self-promotion or it's self-promotion over hockey sense.
0: I think there's two things, Rob, not to cut you off here, but I think there's two things at play. One, the era of social media where you have to have something now. It's not like the old days where you could kind of build a story over two to three days, throw a nugget in Wednesday's edition, try to verify it by Thursday, and then maybe you got something factual by Friday because you were essentially timed by ink and press times. Whereas now, instantaneous gratification, you have to have something now because now you're measured in minutes as opposed to days. Do you feel like maybe there's a bit of pressure in today's age for this new generation of media to sometimes just kind of throw a little mud at the wall because reality is if you don't have it, then you're scooped by somebody else that may or may not? Maybe. Maybe. I'm sure that factors into it. That doesn't change the way how how I'm going to approach things.
1: I'm I'm going to clearly differentiate what something is and what it is not. And by the way, to Circle back, since I didn't do a very good job of answering your actual question last time, I would have no problem having that type of general manager. And actually, I I would find it very refreshing. I've done countless interviews with Brian Burke uh, when he was in Anaheim, visited him there when he was in Toronto. Since then, I find that kind of stuff refreshing because then you are called to task and also it makes you a little more, well, a lot more responsible. You can't be purely into self-promotion. You actually have to uh, generate things and also have a sense
0: of what's going on. In radio, in this market, there used to be two stations. Neither of them did air checks. I mean, I can't remember ever getting air checked. Last guy that air checked me, 2006, Gary Rabel, and maybe yeah. Trevor Martin's once or twice over four or five years. So there isn't really necessarily a person that's sitting there saying, okay, today's this, tomorrow's that, Friday's this. You got to be structured. You got to know what the show before you said, you know what the show after you said and find that meat that hasn't been chewed off there. There's no accountability. Mm-mm. You just sit down for three hours and, and say whatever you want. Nobody calls you out on it. And that's where I think you get the sloppiness is when you realize that nobody's going to slap your wrist or nobody's going to punch you in the teeth. You just end up getting a little too sure of yourself. Yeah. The quality control has gone to a great degree. Same on the television side. I, I, I've
1: actually, this is years ago, um, sat and watched a telecast. And here, I'll, I'll go ahead and just give you the one example. There, there'll be a guy interviewing a hockey player standing profile, both guys standing profile. I remember texting like a former big shot exec, TV executive and saying, Why am I looking at the side of his face and the side of his face? So the reporter is supposed to have his back, the camera slightly off, microphone held, subject of the interview, turned towards the camera so you can hear them and see their entire face. Don't need to see the side of the reporter's face and have a conversation. And the answer that came back was basically like, "Yeah, you know, eh, eh, we're not too worried about that anymore. I'm like, who's producing this? How does this happen? And it's just constant. Like that... You're right about air checks. Like you used to have somebody critique you and be like, "Hey, you know, this, that, the other thing. Talk this way, talk that way. This is a crutch. This is you're doing this too much. Whatever it is, like break it down." Doesn't happen anymore on a a network level. Doesn't happen anymore.
0: All right, let's get to the Vancouver Canucks because I think we could both sit here and talk media for the full allotment of time. But I do want to get into a couple of different things before I get into Evander Kane, which I think would be an absolutely asinine. Road or thought process for the Vancouver Canucks to travel down. Riddle me this: We all sit here banging drums, pots, pans, whatever we can do to try to force the hand of Francesco Aquilini for change. We've been sitting here. I did a song about it the other day. I've done everything I could to kind of put my two cents in. But let's let's look at the other side of the coin. Let's put the other shoes on. How long does it take the average organization to go from "Holy shit, we might have a problem here" to physically making a change?
1: Not very long. Usually not very long, or or at least you have the pieces of the puzzle in place just in case. Now, again, to clarify very clearly here, this is not fact because it's only what I've been told, but I haven't verified it. My understanding is Jim Benning wanted to change coaches as far back as seven to 10 days ago and was vetoed, which says a lot about what his standing is in the whole situation. And it also means now that time has gone by, there's no answer. So I'm going to now jump on the Rob Fay bandwagon and say, I'm with you now. It's at the highest level because Mike Yo, 2018, Mike Johnston, 2016, there's a natural thing that occurs in hockey in these situations, and it's usually that coaching change at the right time it's just if it, you get the feeling like any of us that have been around the game I say Ian McIntyre on sports that same thing he's like you know what under normal circumstances this would have happened already like this this probably you know we we're past that point i like greener i think greener's a fine coach but it doesn't matter whose fault it is directly or what the situation is that change just gets made in those situations we're now past it Trades aren't happening because permission probably hasn't been given. Coaching change hasn't been made because permission hasn't been given. So if this is a situation where we're waiting to save money, maybe, or are we waiting to pay out these salaries that we've already committed ourselves to because we don't want to double up? Just a theory. Don't know, but there has to be an answer to it. So I don't have that answer. I, I don't understand it. The, the natural hockey progression would have been, holy crap, Make the change when Jim Benning initially wanted to and proceed from there. But it doesn't sound like the, the pieces are in place to allow that to
0: happen. Which I think we all kind of knew, but right? we all still just kind of shake our head. at. I, you know, what's kind of funny is I've heard a lot of people consistently take shots at Benning and take shots at Travis Green, but not many people until this season have really zeroed in on Francesco Aquilini. And I last year had no problem realizing that you know, sometimes shit travels from the highest peaks of the mountains, not to, you know, use a, a ill-used phrase, but I've worked in sports, and I know that sometimes, no matter what the president wants to do or what the general manager wants to do, they still have to get sign-off from the owner. Now, some owners are hands-off, or they're like, hey, I pay you to make those decisions, go do it, and their owners are kind of like, well, show me what you've got, and what are your plan Bs, and all this stuff, and that is time, and I just think, you know... Time for me is in games played at this point. And I look at this, Rob, and I say to myself, if you would have made that move when Jim Benning wanted to, what are you, 15, 16 games in? Boom, you've still got, what, 80% of your season to right the ship. And as you made mention, in 2016, 2018, you can turn that ship around in time. This is getting to the point now where You're gonna to get to what 30 games into the season, 35 games into the season, you're gonna be 22 points back at Calgary, you're gonna be 12, 14, 16 points back of a playoff spot. By then your change is kind of a moot point, no? Yeah, unless you're just going for the draft pick, and then you're will not win. <laughs> Do people not know the history of Vancouver <laughs> at the draft?
1: Yeah, but imagine that though, you just sit kind of just sitting in it from this point with 60 games left and riding it out. And just kind of make whatever, making slow motion decisions. Um, But let's play devil's advocate the opposite way. A little bit of a little bit of empathy here. Okay, so you've given your you've ridden along with your general manager. He just signed your coach to a two year extension. So you've kind of created your own problems by allowing that to happen. You know, you had the whole COVID thing last year that was just blew up in the Vancouver Canucks face more than any other team in the National Hockey League. So you're coming out of that. You're coming out of an overhaul of the roster. From that standpoint, I think everybody upstairs probably felt, hey, we're headed in the right direction, just like a lot of us did. We're like, hey, I I kind of want, right? Yep. I like the new look. I like the new look, which brings us to point number two in the Devil's Advocate, the players. Yes, we get the love in. Oh, we're all it's a brotherhood. Okay. But you know what? There's variables. We don't really know what certain individuals are thinking, why certain individuals suck, why certain responsibilities aren't being carried out. Could be a full gamut, Roberto. We don't know the answer to that. So it's not just upstairs. It's not just coach, not just general manager. This, you know, I threw this on the players two weeks ago and said, come on, let's see. What what, what do you got? Is, are we going to watch you get your coach fired? Or are we going to, what are we doing? And they have played well at at times. I mean, but there are, there's just weaknesses and the responsibility in this case, it spreads around. It's like raking the leaves.
0: (laughs) That's, That's a great analogy. A few more for you, Rob, before I let you get back to pumping iron again. I want to talk about Evander Kane. Is that strictly just the media doing media stuff, throwing mud at the walls? I mean, it's easy to call an agent up and be like, hey, do you want me to put Vancouver in the mm-hmm. mix to try and drum up a little bit of uh, swirl in the water? Tell me Vancouver's not looking at Evander Kane.
1: God, I hope not, eh? That's all I got to say. I, I just, I've, heard not, I've, I've not heard good things. Nobody has from the time, w- wherever he's been. Buff, Peg, I mean, no. Why would you go there? I mean, the, the hometown boy thing? No, I don't think so. Not,
0: <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly.
1: Not exactly. Uh, the ooh, hometown kid. Don't think so.
0: I, I'm not into it. That would be the most salt that you could put into the Vancouver Canucks fan wound right now, is in addition to this season going off on its own course. Throwing Evander Kane in the That would be the biggest fu from Francesco and company that you could possibly throw at this Vancouver Canuck fan base.
1: My favorite photo ever is Dustin Bufflin basically giving him the finger when he's yes,
0: <laughs> walking off the ice. <laughs> like
1: he's like, he's like not a popular cat.
0: Rob, you worked in Toronto for a long time. Toronto Maple Leafs always seem to become this regular season juggernaut, this regular season monster. And then all of a sudden they get to the postseason. And, and full disclosure, I am a diehard. Diehard Maple Leafs fan. Really? I have a Palma, oh my God! I have a Mike Palmatier jersey, a Wendell Clark jersey, a Doug Gilmore jersey, a Matt Sundine jersey. Oh I've God. got I've got a Jim Benning Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. Wow! So that said, <laughs> as a Maple Leafs fan, try to make me believe if you can that this regular season is going to somehow translate into the postseason.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, it could. That the talent they're they're absolutely loaded. I think what it's come down to in the past years is just. Tough to play against, like the the tough factor, the physical factor, the playoff hockey factor. Like, will they make the transformation? Will they be able to take the step from the regular season to the postseason? That's been that's been it. I mean, Austin Matthews getting ragdolled around from behind and laughing about it against the Canadians last year in the playoffs. Like, it was a bad look, and it yeah, symbolized it, it symbolized like the. You know, I'm not going to use the word that Mike Milbury used to use on Hockey Night in Canada, even though I'm going to write a piece about <laughs> pansification and wussification at some point. But they just haven't been tough enough. They haven't been gritty enough. They haven't been truculent, to use your former favorite GMs. That's word, right. In the postseason, and you have to be. But I think they've, they've you know, in a, in a perfect world, Wayne Simmons is, you know, he's that kind of guy. You're not going to get it from your high-end talent that, I mean some of the guys the, the usual suspects up front that we're used to talking about. But they've got plenty of time between now and the trade deadline. They they can tweak uh for the postseason. Ultimately, I think that's the number one thing is just is just having the balls to compete in the postseason because it is a completely different animal, people. I don't need to tell you that. So if their special teams is cranking and their goaltending stays the way it is, and they uh, get a little more truculent, then yes, Roberto, you, like the rest of them, can plan the parade route down Young
0: Street. One day, one day. I've <laughs> always said if the, if the Maple Leafs get to the Stanley Cup final, I will fly back to Toronto, just in case. Oh, my God. You'd have a I
1: good think... time. You know who I feel bad for? You know Paul Hendrick, right, Henny? Yes. Oh, my God. Wonderful, <laughs> yeah. wonderful guy. I used to play Tuesday morning hockey with him. Just a great guy. And when I was an ice level guy uh, for other teams, we I loved playing the Leafs because he and I would get together before and share notes, meant verbal notes, and he was the best. Like he would just give me everything and I'd give him everything. Um, just a wonderful dude, and he has just suffered through like bleeds blue and white and has suffered through it. And now he's retired as of last year, and here he is out of it, and they're looking like they might somewhat be the real deal so whatever he'll be happy he'll be happy either way
0: I think so I, toast I, to,
1: a toast to Henny though our pal <laughs> Henny
0: <laughs> uh very quick one for you here the uh, Montreal Canadiens go out and they fire uh you, you know what I was kind of impressed when they finally got rid of Bergeron because you had you had thought at the draft that that might have been the kiss of death because all of a sudden when they realized who they took in the first round all the speculation with the sexual assault and he hung his hat on that that you knew at some point that maybe if they could find a secondary excuse that that would be enough. Uh, Jeff Molson comes out, says there was no correlation between that pick and the firing, but overall the whirlwinds surrounding the Canadiens going from the Stanley Cup final to where they're at today, enough to warrant the firing. Do you like the move? Well, he's in a
1: way, he's a victim of circumstances. Bad PR on the pick, yes, but that's not enough to necessarily be fired. Um, Shea Weber leaving. I mean, that's giant. Captain, key defenseman. Carey Price going into the program, departing. You know, here's your bazillion dollar net minder out of the picture. Um, The whole Cotton Gammy offer sheet goes to Carolina. Just, just, it just. Upset the apple cart from day like multiple, like j- people drop pumpkins on the apple cart, three of them, three gigantic ones. <laughs> so, in a way, um a, a bit too bad for Bergeron, but you know what? Is as, as the owner pointed out, time for a change, time for a fresh start. So, what the hell? By the way, that brings us full circle, Rob Fay. Correct, it does. Because the Montreal Canadians record right now in the Eastern Conference. 6 15 and 2. This is as we speak, pregame 14 points, third worst in the Eastern Conference. Vancouver Canucks 6 14 and 2, 14 points, next to last in the Western Conference. One loss difference 6 15 and 2, 6 14 and 2, both for 14 points. That's where we are and and the Canadi- the habs just fired their general manager their senior vice president of communications and their assistant gm and another one resigned the
0: vancouver canucks have not done a thing silence is perfect rob thank you for your insight vancouverhockeynow.com simmer puck on uh, twitter what do we got coming up what's next at vancouver hockey now
1: You know what? Vancouver Hockey Now, besides the shenanigans that are ongoing, um, I have one more report card to do. I did the defenseman and the top, quote unquote, top six forwards, which is actually top seven. I'll do the rest of the team. I'm also going to talk to a I've also interviewed a Hall of Famer that hangs out in the Vancouver Canucks press box. that I think most people don't even realize is there. So that's the little one that's coming up here shortly. By the way, it's not a media honoree either. It's a it's an actual inductee, a person that's in the Hockey Hall of Fame.
0: Love it. Well, I look forward to it. Vancouver Hockey Now. Rob Simpson, pump a lot iron. Go get a little more protein in you and just keep on living the dream, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it.
1: Um, By the way, nice job on the wrestling.
0: Oh, man. How Dude, was it? We, we went to a studio nightclub, which is really long and narrow, like the old English pub style. And so we had to get a modified ring, a 14 footer inside of the, instead of the standard 18 feet. And it was two levels of fans. The wrestlers went right, walking through the crowd, beat the crap out of each other. One wrestler dragged the other wrestler across all of the bar, the glasses falling on the floor. They did everything. And the crowd went bananas for it. And I w- you know, it's the first time in a long time I went to an event and I didn't feel any COVID. I just felt like I was at an event, people were going bananas. And I was like, this is cool. Congratulations. A lot different than the one you saw at N E 2 which was this cavernous convention center. This was very intimate and it was awesome. And we do it again on Thursday. Makes it more fun. It's like Fight Club. I think I saw a fan do a Ric Flair chop to one of the wrestlers. The wrestler asked for it. So he got what he asked for.
1: I never seen. I've actually never seen that movie, by the way. It's one of my son's favorite movies, but I've never seen it. What movie? Fight Club. I never saw Fight Club.
0: Oh, Fight Club's. You know what? Fight Club's a little overrated. Is it? It's not as good as the poster.
1: Wait a minute. You said you're doing it again
0: Thursday? Yeah. Well, yeah. Two parts to NEW3. Chase for the championship. So we got through the first round. Now we've got the quarterfinals, semifinals, and then the championship match. Okay. Very cool.
1: And that's at the same place. Same place. Same place. place.
0: Don't forget the the guru. The guru. it? By the way, Chris Perry was in fine form on Saturday night. So you know his job. He's like the merch man, the merchandise guy. And this guy was working, man. This guy was hustling. I'll give Chris Perry credit where credit's due he uh, he gets into it and he's just such a fan i look to the back of the room where he's at and he's got this big grin and he's just living the dream man
1: good yeah very nice happy for him and i'm also happy for equity guru because they
0: keep nailing all the stock picks yes they do that's why you got those fancy new paintings in the background they're, they're <laughs> listening they can't see it but you're living oh, the lush yeah. palace estate in kitsilano now real fancy oh yeah <laughs> all right rob let's do this again a week from now see you
1: robert You're listening to Sports Bar Radio with Rob Fay. Brought to you by Equity Guru. Equity Guru, investment information for millennials and madmen.